Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Rev. Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Good morning, church. Just a quick note before we go to scripture. Our choir, of course, has been impacted by the loss of our dear sister Kay, and in honor of her, that is her stole that is hanging on the front rail of the choir uh, loft uh, in honor of her memory, peace to her memory. Thank you. Thank you. Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 3, verses 13 through 17 which you will find in the New Testament section of our Pew Bible on page 3 or on screen. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Almighty God, in you are hidden all the treasures of knowledge. Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word and give us grace that we may clearly understand and freely choose that way of your wisdom and to embrace as holy the callings that we all have as followers of Jesus Christ our Lord. And in his name we pray. Amen. Matthew 3, beginning at verse 13. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Now this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing with me, if you would. If you still have your Bibles open, let's read one more verse. One more verse. Chapter 4 of Matthew and verse 1. And Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. This too is the word of the Lord. And I'm going to come back to that verse as we close our time together. But today, it's really an honor to stand here with you and to to kind of launch what I hope will be a pretty significant time together as we think about the mission of our church, that at the core of our mission of our church is that God has called us to make disciples. People who are reaching other people and disciples are being made. And so we are framing this teaching series around this title with head, heart, and hands the call to follow Jesus. And over the four Sundays of January, we're just going to focus on 
what looks like a cauliflower, a sliced cauliflower, but it really represents the head, the brain, the brain. Consider what it means to follow Jesus and to love Jesus with our brains, with the intellect, with the mind. And as Christians, of course, we live in a, in a very confusing, confusing time. And I think the times in which we're living, now more than ever, it requires us that, that we be thinking Christians. We believe that Christianity is intellectually reasonable and that it demands our best thinking. So through the month of January, we're going to talk, talk a little bit about how to, how to love Jesus with our minds. You know, last week, I watched with a, with a fair amount of fascination on, 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 on TV, I watched with a fair amount of fascination the, the inauguration of, of the president of Brazil, His Excellency Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva. And even though the coverage was in Portuguese, I could still follow what was going on. It was very similar to how we inaugurate a president here in the United States. But it was fascinating to watch rank-and-file Brazilians showing up, and they were shouting, Lula, Lula. His procession, as you can see, was festooned with flags and scores of special services and secret police flanking the open vehicle that he and his vice president and their spouses were riding in. Tens of thousands of Brazilians were out cheering and celebrating and welcoming their new president. In today's reading, though, we can't help but compare Jesus' inauguration to Lula's. And what a contrast. What a contrast. Here is the description. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And that's it. No flags, no military parade, no security detail, no booming drums, no singing of the national anthem. John, who is described as a forerunner to Jesus all through the time that he was preaching about the coming kingdom, he was raising expectations. He was painting massive word pictures about the coming of this powerful ruler. And he said in one of his sermons that I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming is more powerful than I. He's coming after me, he says, and I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And what is, what is John doing? John is is. is tapping into the nation of Israel and their yearning for freedom from oppression. He's tapping into the, the promises of the, that were echoed by the prophets. And I think, in fact, he was echoing the words of one of the prophets, Ezekiel, that one sign that the kingdom has come will be this sign of the Holy Spirit's presence. And one of the passages... In Ezekiel's prophecy, as you get toward the end of the book, the Lord says through the prophet, I will never again hide my face from them. Isn't that great? When I pour out my spirit upon the house of Israel, 
says God. And then Jesus shows up without a posse. He steps into the water and he says what only John could hear, baptize me. John said, excuse me, what did you say? I want you to baptize me. You could just see John's brows knitting up. He was confused. And he says, why are we, why are we reversing the roles? I should come to you for baptism. You're the greater one. I'm the lesser one. I've been telling these people all about you, and you're telling me that I must baptize you. Unfazed, Jesus just said it again. Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. And friends, this is so good. This is so good. God reminds John that the promises that God has been sending for decades and decades through the prophets, that he would send a ruler, he would send a savior, he would send a Messiah, that that time is now, it's right here, and Jesus is here to fulfill God's promise to restore Israel. And so his baptism is really the launch. It's the launch. It's the start of his ministry. It's his ordination, so to speak. And of course, it's going to culminate in his death and his resurrection and his ascension. So John says, okay. And he baptized him. And after his baptism, three things happened. Jesus saw two things and he heard one thing. And this is where the presidential inauguration looks like, it looks like an elementary school Christmas pageant when you compare it to what happens next. Because we're told that the heavens opened. Now what does that mean? I'm not really sure. The heavens opened. And then it says that the Spirit of God, like a dove, in the, rested on Jesus. He saw two things, and then he heard the voice from the Father affirming and acknowledging him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved. I'm well pleased with him. I'm going to take my seat in about 10 minutes. And I want to use this time to just lift up two big ideas. Big idea number one is that the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives is necessary to do any ministry that God is calling us to. And the second big idea I want to leave with you is that whenever you take up the mantle to lead in whatever capacity you're leading, whether in the church or at work, in academia, whatever capacity of leadership that you're involved in, that your leadership will face many tests. So let's just talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit's presence. Because John said, we didn't read that section, John said, I will baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me, and I'm not worthy to carry sandals. He will baptize you, listen to this, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Every now and then, we don't do it every year, but every now and then we have the wonderful blessing of going over to Lake Michigan with a bunch of you, and we will have people who want to get baptized, and we baptize them in the waters of Lake Michigan, and we baptize them by immersion. 
And that's one meaning of the word baptize. It means to immerse. It means to dip something or someone into the water. And when someone is baptized by immersion, and I've been doing baptisms for decades, they always come up wet. <laughs> I'm serious. In the same way, though, when someone is baptized in the Holy Spirit, they become completely drenched by the Holy Spirit. The baptism of Jesus was to inaugurate his ministry and the opening of the heavens and the Spirit's presence. I think it points to, it, it points to the source of power for his life and his ministry. That for Jesus, heaven was open. He had access to the Father. He was a praying man. And he had the power and the anointing of the Spirit on his life. In fact, I read it again this morning, Acts 10.38, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. The descent of the Spirit, then, is the anointing on the servant of God. And then the voice from heaven, I think that's a wonderful thing to read. It's a wonderful thing to read. The voice from heaven affirms him and says, you're my son, I love you. Lots of dads. Lots of spouses struggle to say those three simple words, I love you. Because maybe some of us grew up in homes where we had to prove it. We had to earn it. What, did you, what, what grades did you get? This year? Oh, you got a C. And the word of affirmation doesn't come. Should have gotten all A's. And then you could get that word of affirmation. Not so with our Heavenly Father. God says, even before you do a miracle, even before you tell a parable, God is saying to his son, I love you. Our service is just now. We ordained and installed God's beloved sons and daughters to be elders and deacons in our church. And I want you to know that this text is for you. It's for all of us, but, I, but I'm dedicating this text to all the folks who were just standing here just now because you're launching your ministry today as elders and deacons for God's people. And God wants you to know right off the bat, I love you. You're my beloved sons and daughters. I'm pleased with you. You are enough. You don't need to impress anyone. You don't need to prove yourself to anyone. I am already pleased with you. This text, elders and deacons, is for you. God is saying to you, don't launch your ministry without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. A ministry that doesn't depend on the Holy Spirit will produce next to nothing. Lots of activity, lots of running, but, but little fruit. This text is for you. That God wants to anoint you with power, beyond your power. That you may be strengthened in your inner being for the responsibilities that have been placed upon you. And so for me, I don't know about you, but for me, being filled with the Spirit is not something that is exceptional. It is something that is normative. I didn't become a pastor and then was filled with the Spirit. As a regular, regular person, a disciple, a follower, Jesus anointed me with his Holy Spirit. And so this is how I want you to roll. This is how I want you to fulfill your ministry as an elder and a deacon at first prayers. John is saying that there will come a time, and that time is now, 
when you don't have to live your life just powered by yourself, God has sent his spirit to the church so that the church could do the work of God. Jesus confirmed it because after his resurrection, the disciples came to him and he told them, hey, why don't you guys just wait, just hang out in Jerusalem because when I go to the Father, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to come on you, to fill you so that you will receive power. So the mark of the Holy Spirit's presence in a person's life is something that is remarkable. The song we were singing about joy and compassion and the fruit of the Spirit, all of that is powered by the Holy Spirit. And I want you to be that kind of elder or deacon. How do you receive this filling of the Spirit? We ask for it. Jesus says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will the Father, the Heavenly Father, give you the Holy Spirit if you just ask Him? Just ask Him. You know, I do that every day. I'm glad my wife is here because she can testify, Pastor Ray is blowing smoke. I do it every day. I say, God, I need you. Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me with your Spirit. I do that every day. You know why I do that? As I heard Tony Campolo say many, many years ago, he said, we got to ask for the filling of the Spirit because we leak we leak and he says holy spirit fill me lord i don't just want to be an elder or a deacon my way i want to do it your way fill me i don't want to live by my power i want to live by your power holy spirit fill me second big idea i want to throw at you is that because you're a leader you're going to be tested Now, in your Bibles, if you look in your Bibles, usually they separate what we just read in chapter 3 at the end of verse 17, and there's a separation there when you get to chapter 4, but really when you look at it in the Greek, it's just one unbroken line. Jesus is baptized, he comes up out of the water, and then we read these words. Chapter 4, verse 1, I'll read it again, that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This is the same Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, who just a moment earlier, we saw as this visible image of the Father's love. Just a moment, just this precious, precious moment where God affirmed his Son, where God not only was baptized by water, but he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And right after that, it's as if the Holy Spirit just takes him by the hand and says, you know, I want you to come with me. Let's go into the wilderness. And because Jesus is so submitted to the Father, he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. He was led away from home and friends, didn't have any disciples yet, didn't have the spiritual comfort of going to the synagogue, of bringing the rabbi with him, of having Torah at his fingertips. He just kind of left. Maybe he was still dripping wet when the Holy Spirit said, come with me, we're going to go on a little walk. And he went into the wilderness to do what? to face this hostile adversary. And not just any adversary, but the one that the Bible calls the deceiver, the liar, the enemy of our faith. Elders and deacons, first prayers, this text is for you. Because in the course of your journey, as an elder or a deacon, I just want you to know, expect to be tested. You have, we have an adversary 
who is not pleased with us, who would just wish we would just lock this building down, throw the key away, and to go do what? What do you do on a Sunday morning? Go ride your bike around the city and ride up to the lake and uh, go walk your dog. Forget about this gathering. That's what the devil would wish every church in Evanston would do. So I just want you to know, brothers and sisters, you have an adversary. And he's working over time. He wants to discourage you. And listen, I'm telling you, I've been down in that valley of discouragement many, many times. He wants to confuse you. He wants to distract you. He's definitely going to do everything in his power to weaken you in your efforts to glorify God and to serve this congregation with energy and with imagination and with intelligence and with love. He's going to do it, and I want you to expect it. Don't be surprised when things go askew. But I also want you to take a page from Jesus' life. Do what Jesus did because he was led by the Spirit. Okay, I'm here. Devil comes tempting him. What did Jesus do? He resisted. He resisted. What did he do? He stood on the truth. And that's the thing about the devil. He lies. He's a liar, choir. He is. And you got to know the truth. And that's why part of this discipleship series is to understand with our minds who Jesus is, not our emotions, not our opinions. That's, oh my goodness, that's, that's, that's like paper thin for the devil. When you begin to put on that armor, come on church, you know what the armor is? Helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, you pick up the the, the, the sword of the spirit, which is when, when you begin to equip yourselves in God's word, you're going to stand. So I want you to recognize the times of hardship and testing, but they're only for a season. And there will be days in the life of your leadership here at the church where you're going to say, why did I do this? But God is going to use those days to hopefully strengthen you and encourage you and build you up in your faith. Brothers and sisters, first prayers. Let us seek to be filled with the Spirit and let us recognize that we are going to be tested. But I'm telling you, Jesus says, I'm building my church. Devil is not going to win. Amen? Okay, that sounded pretty decent. The devil is not going to win. Amen? Because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.